All right, I am very excited to introduce Daniel Ritchie to you. Um, Daniel is a, a, a brother, a friend. Uh, he travels the country uh, preaching the gospel uh, to churches, schools, camps, even on the news. He's even been there and has shared the gospel and has shared his testimony and his story. Many of you know Daniel Ritchie. He's been here before. And so um, give him uh, your utmost attention uh, because uh, I'm pretty sure what he's bringing today is going to be amazing. And not because of who he is, but because of who God is and what Christ has accomplished through him. And so, Daniel, come on up, man. And uh, you close the service as you see fit, bud. Appreciate you, bud. Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good, man. It is, it is good to be back with you guys again. Uh, you know, as a, as a guy who's a, who's a guest preacher, it's, it's always a big comfort when you're invited back somewhere because you're like, I didn't, I didn't blow it the first time, you know? And so, listen, hear me out. If, if this is your first time and I just bombed today... Um, Come back next week. Jesse will do better. Um, and, uh, and listen, listen, if by God's grace the sermon goes really, really well this morning, well, come back next week and Jesse will do better. Um, so so what, whatever it is, if, if you're just kicking the tires um, on, on what's going on here at Red Cross, man, I, I, I promise you, by God's grace, Jesse's a lot better than me. Um, he, he's far more interesting uh, with the hand motions and whatnot. Uh, so... <laughs> So uh, I, I definitely, uh, man, I, I encourage you to, uh, to come back and man, just be a part uh, of this local body. Um, also for me too, it's just such a blessing uh, to be a part of your, of your Love Life Sunday. Love Life is, is something that I've been involved in, gosh, ever since my years in student ministry. I've been uh, plugged in with Love Life now for probably five or six years. We were, we were one of the first student ministries to, to ever plug into Love Life when I, when I was serving in the Huntersville area. And, um, and it's definitely something that, that man, I encourage you guys uh, ju just to be a part of and, and just to plug into because Je Jesse could not have said it more perfectly. That it's like when, when we get down to this issue, when we get down to this issue of the sanctity of human life and abortion, it's, it's a political issue these days, but truthfully, that's because the world has made it so. Like the world has co-opted God's design that started from Genesis chapter 1, when we see this inter-Trinitarian inter conversation in Genesis 1.27, when it's like the Father, the, hun, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're sitting there looking at each other, and they says, listen, let us make man in our image. Let's form and fashion him to bear our image and our glory and all the earth. And, he, and even as for y'all little kids, man, y'all are, are memorizing John chapter 1, verse 1 this week. But just a little bit after that in John 1, we see, see that in the beginning the Word was with God, the Word was God, and it says that by him and through him all things are made. And in him was life, and that life is the light of the world. And so it's like, not only starting the, the, the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, but then we see starting off one of the Gospels in, in the description of who Jesus is, we see right there in John chapter 1 that here's Christ, the author and the perfecter and the one who forms and fashions life. So it, it's no mistake that the one who has set up human life to bear the image and the glory of God is under attack by the world and where now life is being redefined, 
Life is being discarded. Life is being seen as a matter of convenience. And again, it's like, you know, I, I don't know how many of us are, are fully plugged in to just what's going on in, in, in national news and national politics. Because I'll be honest, these day, this day and age, like, I, I have a total distaste for the news. Um, you know, it's all like, oh, what dumpster fire can we look at today? You know, it's, it's rarely ever good, encouraging, edifying um, but just Friday, the House of Representatives voted uh, to expand abortion in just a, an incredibly radical way. I mean, truthfully, like what, what the House passed was to open up abortion for basically any and every reason from the moment of conception all the way up until the moment of birth. And, and even in, in some of the language that, that's coming out in this legislation, it's like for any reason. Like, they justify it with abortion can happen on the basis of a, of a mother's health, but they said that that can, that can expand to uh, a mother's emotional health, a mother's financial health, uh, a mother's just sense of health generally. And so babies can be discarded for any reason. And then also in this legislation, they also, that passed through the House, that states can no longer protect kids. That some of, these, some of these bills we see, like the heartbeat bill in, in Georgia, um, some of these bills that we see trimming down, like the, the um, state of Texas has pretty much so shut down abortion altogether. This bill that now just needs the Senate to pass it can say none of that can exist anymore. Only national government gets to decide whether or not abortion can carry on or not. Babies can't be protected on the state level. That's, that's our call. And so it's like we sit here in this day and age and, and babies on every level are being assaulted and killed. I mean, for those of you that picked up the little love life packet, you'll see right in there, the leading cause of death in the United States. It's not cancer, it's not COVID, it's not heart disease, it's abortion. 17,000 babies a day die because of abortion. Listen, y'all, I, I know it's a politically charged, it's an emotional issue, but the reason why we as the Church of God are so incredibly passionate about it, the reason why the Church of God ought to be very involved in it, is because we follow after, we trust our lives to the author of life. And so in doing that, in trusting in and resting in the one who forms and fashions all life to bear God's image and God's glory in all the earth, then for us, by default, we instantly become people of life. And we seek, man, for so many bearers of God's image to have the opportunity to carry that in, into, man, their first breath, their first step, their first word, their first day of school, their first day that they walk in, into a college campus, their first day that they step into a job, whatever the case is, we are people who are after and for and pursuing and defending life. And so this morning, what I want us to see is this, is from God's word, what do we see not only just in defending life in the womb, but how do we promote life moving forward? How do we pursue it, not only for us as believers, but how do we proclaim it to both people who feel like they're worthless, to people who feel like they have no hope, to people who feel like there is no way that God loves me, God wants me, or God can redeem me. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. We'll, we'll read a large chunk of scripture, Galatians 1. We'll read verses 11 through 24. 
And, and as we read, just, just know that this is, um, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Galatia. And there's lots of stuff going on here. And as we'll start to see here, it's like Paul, Paul spends a good chunk of what we're about to read just truthfully trying to defend himself. Paul's kind of under attack from both in the church and outside of the church. People are, people are pointing at Paul and they're going, don't you know what a shady dude this is? Don't you know what all's going on in his past? And they're, they're trying to poke holes in him. They're trying to shut him down. And truthfully, they're trying to shut down the church here in Galatia. But here, Paul just simply, man, he, he doesn't make it about him. He doesn't make like, he, in moving forward and pursuing this argument of, listen, the gospel and the purpose of God is so much bigger than me. Paul just doubles down. He says, listen, ultimately, it's not about me. Everything that I have is by the grace and the plan and the design of God. And I think for us this morning, for us to cast our eyes to that, that everything that we have in this life, is by the grace and the design and the plans of God, and that gives us comfort moving forward. But I think it also gives us comfort as we realize we find ourselves in a culture war in so many ways. As we hold to things that the world considers small-minded or fundamental or whatever label that they want to hang on it, we see here that this truly is, this is us as believers keeping the main thing, the main thing. So read with me Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. In God's word, it says this, For I would have known, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me, it is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people. So extremely jealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among all the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to D Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and I remained with him for 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother." And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And in verse 21, it says, Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are there in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, I just pray in these next few moments as we look at just what the gift of life is, both by your grace and design, that, Father, in, in just view of that, in walking in faith with that in mind, God, may we be people who see the gift of life, the gift of eternal life, and, God, that we would be faithful to proclaim that to all who we come across. Father, we thank you and we pray you would use this morning for your glory, for your purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. First thing I want us to see this morning, and, and it's incredibly simple, and I, and I know it's like it's something that we hear over and over, but the, the first thing I want us to see is that truthfully, each of us are made with purpose. Each of us are made with purpose. I, I think it's a, it, it's a thing we're taught from, you know, from some of these littles that, that are in this room this morning. You know, it's like, how many times are we hammered home with the concept of Psalm 139? God is fearfully and wonderfully made, each and every one of us, even while we're still in our, our mother's womb, that God is carefully taking his time. And that's, that's a huge comfort to us, because y'all hear me out, like, in, in this room this morning, you're not an accident. You're not a genetic happenstance. You're, you're not, you know, maybe even in my case, like you're, you're not a genetic mutation. Like God knew what he was doing when he made you. But not just in, in, in the physical sense. And I think it's so incredibly important. Like look with me in verse 15. Don't miss this when Paul says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. So here's God in his design. Not only did he form and fashion Paul in the womb, but even before Paul was known, that word set apart, it means to be sanctified, to be put apart, to be marked as one who's just a, just a wee bit different. Even before Paul had a name, God said, he's mine. That's my prophet. Even before he takes a word, this is going to be my guy who's going to found the New Testament. This is going to be my guy, even as he's sitting there persecuting the church of God. Man, from second one, even before Paul was thought of by his parents, before Paul's parents could lay their eyes on him, Paul says, that's my servant. That's my teacher. That's, that, that's going to be my proclaimer. That's going to be my founder of the church of God. So hear me out. Not only does God fearfully and wonderfully make you in the womb so that you're not accidental, you're not happenstance, but I think it's also incredibly important to know God knew exactly what you need to proclaim him right now, and he gave you that in the womb. Like, this isn't some sort of progressive thing. Paul didn't wander into being an apostle Paul was formed and fashioned and made into the man of God that he would one day be. And it was all by God's design and God's grace. You even see this, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God's calling Jeremiah. Jeremiah's having a moment. Like he's like, Lord, thank you. Think you got the wrong guy, which if any of us, you know, in here, if any of you guys are, are called into ministry or God has called you to serve him just through serving the local church, I know there's so many times where you're like, huh, Lord, you got the wrong guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not it. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel remotely set out for the task. But again, you see just as much as the same words that, that God gives Paul, God gives this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, listen, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet unto the nations. Y'all hear me out. When God was forming you in the womb, he was preparing you for the calling that you're going to walk in right now. God crafted you with your calling in mind. God crafted you with your skills, your abilities, all to bear his image and his glory in all the world. That is why we sit here and we go, life is incredibly valuable because not only are children in the womb image bearers, but children in the womb are a part of God's plan and God's purpose. They bear his image, his crafting, his talents, his abilities, his kingdom shaping opportunities. That's what each and every kid in the womb is. 
And that's why they're so incredibly important that each and every life in the womb is made with purpose. The second thing is this, and I I, I want us to sit down here for a second, is that each of us are saved with purpose. Each of us are saved with purpose. Again, the second half of verse 15, Paul says, listen, not only was I set apart before I was born, but he who called me by his grace, a grace that he describes this in verses 11 and 12, For I'd have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me, it's not man's gospel. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's that revelation that so many of us know now that Paul's on the road to Damascus. He's getting ready to go persecute the church of God, and God shows up and changes his life in every conceivable way. Changes his name from Saul to Paul. Changes his career from persecutor of the church to builder of the church. Changes his his whole outlook. Paul went from powerful man to now one who he himself is persecuted and beaten and mocked and even accused as we see right here in in the Galatian church. So many people here, they're, they're looking at Paul and they're going, why is this dude teaching and preaching in the church? Don't you know what he used to be? Don't you know, like, he used to hate you guys. Like, he, he at, at bare minimum, Paul is an accessory to murder of Christians. And you're cool with this guy being, being one who teaches uh, about the things of God in and through all things? Like, Paul is under attack, but Paul doubles down. He says, listen, ain't none of this what I did. Like, I didn't want this clearly because the Lord showed up to me, jacked me up, And truthfully, like Paul's encounter with the Lord on that road to Damascus completely blinded him for three days. He couldn't see. Scripture says he couldn't eat. Like Paul was devastated by meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. And yet he says, listen, this this wasn't about me. This wasn't something I chose, but he chose me. Not only when I was still in the womb, but God, God met me on that road and God sent me out from that moment. This gospel, this good news that I have, it's not because I'm the perfect dude. And honestly, this gospel that I have, it comes in spite of the fact that I was a terrible person before this point. I was a broken man, I was a wayward man, and yet God showed up and redeemed me. So listen, as much as we proclaim the beauty of life in the womb, hear me out, y'all, like the beauty of life that we have, just walking and talking and living in view of the grace of God is something that we can't preach to ourselves enough. There's going to be plenty of times when the enemy is going to sit there and try to poke holes in who you are. There's going to be plenty of times where the enemy is going to say, listen, look how broken you are. Look at all the mistakes you have. Look at all the sins in your past. Look at all the things that you don't have or don't possess right now. Why does God love you? What does God want to do with you? You're just a sinner. You're just another person out and about in this crazy and broken world. But what do we see about the beauty of the gospel? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it just says this. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that none of us can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk 
in them for us to walk in the good works that he has given us. Y'all, if there's anything that we as people of life, if, if we cannot cease to preach the gospel of God's grace, the message of eternal life, the message of eternal hope, we gotta preach that to ourselves day in and day out. Like that's the only way we keep going in this jacked up world. I mean, truthfully, we live in a world that only seeks to take and to destroy and to frustrate and to accuse. We see it day in and day out. And I think that's why so many times not only do we have to preach the fact that, listen, I'm not sitting here in this church today because I'm awesome. I'm sitting in here in this church today rescued and redeemed because one who was perfect, one who lived a life I couldn't live, he died in my place to rescue me, to redeem me, and to send me out. That's why I'm here. And y'all, first and foremost, I think day in, day out, you have to preach that reality to yourself. The gospel, it is our entryway into trusting in and resting in Christ as king, but the gospel is not the elementary doctrine of the faith. We don't leave behind the gospel of the grace of God when we jump on Team Jesus. Like we don't get our get out of hell free card and we go, all right, I'm good. No, because truthfully, the gospel is the one thing we, we extinguish all of the accusations of the enemy, all of the frustrations of this world, is to realize I've been giving something I can never earn, and I'm never going to pay back, but as scripture says in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to offer up myself as a living sacrifice, because that's my one acceptable form of worship. Y'all realize we have the greatest hope that the world has ever known, and Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Listen, all of the things that you have been through in your life have helped to mold you and shape you into the man or woman you are today. God did not err when he laid the path that, that you have experienced in, in your life. God did not err when he formed and fashioned me with a disability that, a, that much of the world sees as an obstacle. But what God in his design did is he took the worst of me and he's using it for the best of his, his plan and his purpose and his kingdom. Like y'all, I have more gospel conversations with people at the gas station than I do at the church. Because there's so many people in and through the world that look at like floppy sleeves and they go, well, clearly this guy hates his life. And then they, they just interact with me for a couple minutes and they're like, wait, why doesn't he hate his life? You know, and, and so it, it starts a conversation that turns into a gospel conversation. All because of how God has formed and fashioned me. And much is the same for you. Is you have so many avenues and opportunities to display the grace of God. And much of it can just be through you living your life. But some of it can also be sharing the worst of what you've experienced. Some of the most painful things that you've gone through. God in his kindness and his grace has stepped in. Has comforted you. And, and as scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's a comfort that God has called us to share with the world. So just as much as Paul has suffered. Just as much as Paul is being persecuted here. Just as much as he is being mocked and shamed. He says listen all of this is by God's grace. 
All of this is an opportunity to make him known. And all of this is as we see here in these last two verses. And this is what I want to leave us with this morning is that each of us have a mission. Each and every one of us, we have a mission. As Paul says here, he says, listen, to the churches in Judea in verse 23, they were only hearing it. Just hearing about who Paul was, what he had done. And they were saying, he used to persecute us now. And he's preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And he says, and they glorified God because of me. And even if you look a couple of verses before this, in verse 22, he says, I, I was unknown. Like, nobody knew who I was. I was a complete afterthought. I was a complete nobody. And God used my life to afford the people of the church an opportunity to glorify God because of what he had done in me. Church, listen, God has an incredible purpose for each and every one of us in this room. And it might be in grandiose ways. It might be in little ways, but God has called us in little steps of obedience in whatever we face in this life that we're gonna glorify God with what we got. Whether he's given us something very little or he's given us something very large. You know, in, in, in so many steps along the way, God has called me to simple steps of obedience, whether it was stepping into to life as a student pastor, to, to stepping into to this pro-life world just a few years ago. Like, y'all, in, in, in all honesty, like, I was a, I was a pretty quiet pro-life guy for much of my Christian life. Like, I was saved at 15, stepped into ministry at 16. I'd always been somebody that's like, yeah, pro-life, abortion's bad, adoption's good. But I was never somebody that was overly bold about it until just a couple years ago where it was like my story of just my birth in, in being born without arms. And not only was I born without arms, but I was born completely lifeless, not breathing, not moving. And the doctor that held me in the delivery room the day I was born simply asked my dad, do you just want us to let him go? Because he's looking at me, he's going, what's the point? And I mean, truthfully, like what we see in much of the legislation that exists around abortion today is just that. What's the point of disabled kids? What's the point of, what's the point of kids with Down syndrome? Like y'all, much of Europe is boasting the fact that they've, they've solved Down syndrome. And it's because they're aborting babies with Down syndrome at rates bordering 100%. Like we're talking Iceland, Germany, Italy are all around 97 to 99% of babies found in the womb that could maybe possibly have Downs are immediately aborted. That's the world we live in. There's so many kids like them, so many kids like me were afterthoughts and as abortion legislation started going through the state of Virginia a few years ago, I very, uh, shall we say, hesitantly threw, threw my hat into the ring because much of the abortion legislation that Virginia was trying to pass was to get rid of kids like me. And truthfully, they had one caveat in their legislation which, which basically offered up the opportunity for infanticide because in the governor of Virginia's words, that kids like me could be born. And in that moment that we're, we're laying on, on, on a little table, and in his words, we could be kept comfortable, they wanted to offer up legislation where conversations could happen between a doctor and a mother as to whether babies like me, babies with Downs, babies with any sort of discernible disability, that a decision could be made if we should live or we should die. 
And in a moment like that, that's, that's when I was like, I, I, can't, I, I can't be quiet on stuff like this. I, I, I can't just make this a political thing. This, this is a, a life thing because there's going to be scores of kids just like me that the world's going to say they're not good enough. What are they going to do? Who are they going to be? What's the point? So in that moment, that, that was when I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hat in the ring. I'm going to make it known that lives like mine matter. Lives where kids might not have the same chromosomes as us, the lives of kids with Downs, the lives of kids with all sorts of muscular disabilities, of intellectual disabilities, our lives matter just as much as the next person. And listen, you lending your voice to this cause, it, it might not be on some political level. Like, y'all, more often than not, as, in, as we talk to some of these abortion-vulnerable women that are sitting here and that are scared, ultimately the one reason why they have an abortion is because they feel like they don't have any hope. They don't have anywhere to turn to. They don't have anybody that wants to advocate for them. And truthfully, so many of these women just need to know that a place like Love Life, Love Life exists. Some of these women just need to know that a place like the Pregnancy Resource Center right here in this county exists. And you can be the vehicle for that. You can be the person that can tell uh, a, a, an abortion-vulnerable mother or, or an abortion-vulnerable father there's hope for you. There's resources for you. Even if it isn't you raising this child, man, adoption is an incredibly valuable opportunity. And so for, for some of us, it's going to be speaking to that. For some of us, it's going to be resourcing the ministries like Love Life, like the PRC, like some of the adoption ministries that we see in and through this state. Like, y'all, the way you talk, the way you give, the way you love matters. Because, listen, you might not ever see the fruit of what you're going to do. And more often than not, for you to lend your voice to the sanctity of human life, for you to lend your dollars to some of these, these adoption ministries or fostering ministries, like, nobody's going to come up to you five years from now and go, hey, you know that 25 bucks a month you gave? Or you know those four hours a week you would volunteer at the Pregnancy Resource Center? You know what? That changed my life. I'll be honest, you're, you're not going to get that conversation. But what you're doing is you are sowing gospel seeds. You are sowing seeds of life that bear fruit in ways that you may never understand. Like y'all, thir 35 years ago, a, a very scared, pregnant, teenage mom went into an abortion clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina to have an abortion, only to find out she was too late in her term. And so she, she was, she was kind of scared, realized she couldn't have her abortion, didn't know what she was going to do. And she found out about a, a ministry in the foothills of North Carolina that took care of girls just like her, that allowed her to still continue to go to school, to carry her baby to term. And so she goes to the school, she does just that. She finds a, a, a Christian-minded adoption ministry based out of Raleigh. And so she decides that as soon as she gives birth to her little girl, that she, she's going to give this baby up for adoption. And by God's grace, man, there was a, a family in Raleigh, North Carolina, that came across this little girl, adopted her, brought her into that family, 
and this adoption that happens by, by the good people that not only sowed into that school in the mountains of North Carolina, that not only sowed into that adoption ministry in Raleigh, good people like that brought me the wife I have today. All of that because a scared mama didn't know where else to go and somebody gave her hope. And a scared mama didn't know what to do with her baby, but an adoption ministry gave her an avenue to let her little girl live. And listen, your words, your love, the way you serve, the way you show the love of Christ, it changes people's lives, it changes ministries, it changes the landscape of the gospel, all because we're willing to get uncomfortable. Because y'all hear me out, like, if you're going to speak out on abortion, people are going to come for you. Like, when, it, when, when I stepped into the national ring and, and started proclaiming, like, the sanctity of human life on the national level, like, people threatened my kids. Pe- people sent death, death letters to my wife. Like, people just hate the concept of adoption. People hate the concept of sanctity of human life for some odd reason. Like what you might choose to do, it might cost you some. It might cost you just your good name in your workplace or in your community, but I promise you, if there's one thing that we ought to be for, it's for the sanctity of human life and for the purpose of human life that God has given each and every one of us to bear his image in all the world. Y'all don't tap out on what God has set you in front of, even if it's hard. Don't quit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, listen, we will reap a harvest in due time if we don't quit, if we don't give up. What God has said in front of you, it is hard, it is going to be challenging, but I promise you it is worth it. Proclaim the sanctity of human life, but also proclaim the author of it. That's the one hope that this world can ever know is that a perfect and holy God sent his son to die on our behalf so that we can know life abundantly in this life and life eternal as we pass from this life to the next. Let me pray for us. God, we just thank you so incredibly much for each and every life that you have sat in this room this morning. God, we thank you so much that you have crafted us fearfully and wonderfully, that you have made us with gifts and talents and abilities all to make you known. And Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, we would do just that, that we would be faithful to proclaim, that we would be faithful to love, that we would be faithful to advocate for those that cannot advocate for themselves. God, use us as a part of your plan, your kingdom, and your glory. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.